This episode of the show is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free 30-day trial and free audiobook of your choosing by going to audibletrial.com slash misspots. Choose from over 180,000 different titles, such as Chris Jericho's latest book, No is a Four-Letter Word. It's even narrated by the man himself. Audiobooks are perfect for the person on the move. Believe me, they're great. Maybe you want a mystery novel or a biography of someone you love. Audible has it all. Plus, it's free to try. If you don't like it, which would be weird, cancel and keep your free audiobook that you downloaded forever. Go try it now at audibletrial.com slash misspots. Audible. Listening is the new reading. Mike, the picture of Bill Goldberg with the Universal title is the most liked Instagram post in WWE history. If I have said it once, I have said it a thousand times. We are the problem. This and other depressing facts coming up on the Misspots podcast. Get away from from Goldberg holding titles. In... I did not think we would have to ever say that in 2020. Yeah, let's that's... get away from Goldberg holding titles. I have a feeling, and it's a good feeling, that in 2030 we're going to be saying, "Man, if we could just get away from Goldberg holding titles, it would be a really, really good idea for the WWE." I. Don't think that that's even really a stretch for a joke. That <laughs> very well could be truth. It's just a fact. Yeah. As long as Goldberg is still alive in 2030, there's a pretty damn good chance that they will put a strap on him. But besides that... Yeah, let's move on to that. Sorry. Let's talk about something that we're actually excited to talk about. We were excited to talk about it last week, and that's... AEW Revolution, the second AEW pay-per-view that we have watched uh, since the start of the television show. Um, we were hyped on this one, and the aftermath, I think it was a pretty good show. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that. This was a is a weird one for me because there were... There were some definite downs here, and I think we'll get into that as we review the show. And even within some matches that I really loved, I thought there was a lot of things that could have been done differently. Doing a little bit of, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking here, and I do believe some of the things that they could have done or some of the things they did too much of, they could have condensed to make this a better show than what it was. Overall, though, it was a show that we had us on the edge of our seats, engaged the whole time, watching some pretty good, good, goddamn good professional wrestling. I'll get those words out next time. Yeah, I, I, I can't really think of the last time that I have really watched a, well, actually, I take that back because NXT shows have usually kept me very engaged and oh, very sure. entertained. But this was just such a great feeling to be sitting there hanging out uh, watching uh, a good professional wrestling show and not having a whole bunch of dumb filler um, with uh, talk too many talking segments or anything like that. Um, but yeah, yeah let's well, let's yeah, let's get into it, Mike. Let's uh, you usually run these ones down. Um, so the show kicked off with probably not the right match here. Uh, Hager and Dustin Rhodes. Um, this match was kind of slow and plotting, uh, just not the type of thing that you would really expect out of your, your, your first match of the night. I think that 
Go ahead. I think that the second match, the Darby and Sammy Guevara match, would have been better suited for this slot. because took the words right out of my mouth there. Because that got the crowd super pumped. I mean, Darby just came like a bat out of hell uh, to start that match off, or not even technically start the match off. But, uh, yeah, I, I think these matches should have been flip-flop because the Hager-Dustin Rhodes match was... It was... This is the problem, and I thought this was going to be an issue going in. I'm a big fan of Dustin Rhodes, and I'm a big fan of his work in AEW so far. I think he's doing exactly what he should be doing. He's got a babyface fire to him. He can lose, and it doesn't really matter. He's he's a legend. I almost said kind of a legend because he's not at that level of Undertaker, right? Mm -hmm. But he's an incredible performer and has been for decades, and he deserves all the praise and acclaim that he has. It's not just a family thing. He's very, very good and has been for a very long time. There's this problems are twofold. One, Jake Hager is not interesting. <laughs> he's just not. He wasn't interesting in the WWE. He's not, he has not, he's had some funny comedic bits where he doesn't talk and Jericho plays off of him and they have the video package where it goes to him and he doesn't speak. Those have been good. But his the most charisma he shows is when he's not doing anything. <laughs> and when you have him actually go in a ring, he's not impressive. He is not an impressive wrestler. He doesn't move with uh, impact. He uh, Someone wrote as a review of how great his, his Vader bomb was, his swagger bomb. I find that to be one of the dopiest moves ever. And I don't know what about him doing it does not look in any way impressive to me. I don't think he moves well inside the ring. I mean, he's a legitimate combat athlete. He's a legitimate uh, amateur wrestler. This guy has all the physical skills to do those things, but he is not physically a professional wrestler. And I don't think he's going to be. And they could have, because of his size and the way they built him up, and this was his first match after so long, they could have worked around that and had a, a dominating match. This went too long. Uh, Dustin, as much as he is a legend, should not have taken this match as long. And Hager should have gone over faster. They should have protected him and his limitations a little bit more. And also, I have to throw out there, the stuff with his wife on the outside made no sense in context. We've never seen this person before. If anything, a concerned wife is a babyface thing, not a heel thing. Uh, the only thing I can think of is that they were saying, well, he has this Stepford wife as a wife. So we should boo him. And then Dustin kissing her forcibly was a big problem for me and did not come off as being a baby face at all. This match was just all over the place and was kind of a mess. Yeah, it was. And going back to something you were mentioning, I'm fairly certain you could take any average person have them do a swagger bomb, slow it down, uh, and run it in slow-mo, and it would still be faster than Jake Hager does that move. He just looks like he's past slow motion. He's, he's, he's into some speed that our people have not yet discovered, but Jake Hager has. Yeah, I was worried when he was the big reveal on the initial episode of Dynamite. It's like, this is the guy? This is their big reveal? And they've done some things to mask his inefficiencies and his the holes in By his game. By having him not this, wrestle. Yeah, and just having him be a, be a presence. And the, the inner circle has done a great job, but this, to me, this was not good. And I do not see a future for Jake Hager in this company because he can't work like anybody else can work. And he has no personality. And unless they just spoon feed him with someone like Jericho talking for him and they figure out a way to mask his inabilities in the ring, I can't see I, I can't see him being a believable threat. Yeah, me either. And this, and this was a big this was a big this show was very uneven. As much as we enjoyed it and we were engaged, the show was very uneven, and this is a good example of it. Yeah, uh, especially to start things off with this. Mm -hmm. a, a little bit of a downer of sorts. Now, now Darby and Sammy was great. Yeah. It Short, was, sweet, 
uh, with actually the match itself. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that went on before the match technically started. Yeah, Darby was on fire here. He was a baby face. He's coming back for revenge. The story was good. He, he is over, really over. I, I was listening to uh, Cornette run down the AEW roster and how no one's a star. The only stars there are Moxley and Jericho because they were in another promotion beforehand. And, and uh, Cody, they're only stars, and they haven't made any stars. Darby Allen's a star. Yeah. Darby Allen's over with that crowd. Now, he might not be a star that can pull in a 3.0 rating on TNT, no doubt. But in that group of people, he is as over as anybody. And they've done it really, really well. And this, he's not the only guy. There's plenty of other guys that they've gotten over with that crowd. And that's the first step is getting them to the point where someone watches a show, tunes in and goes, man, they like this guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they've done a great job with Darby Allen. The storyline was perfect. Sammy Guevara can take a loss after a loss after a loss. Everyone wants to get him, see him get smacked in a stupid face. He has, <laughs> he has Miz disease. I was right? just going to say he's like the Miz. Yeah. He's, he's perfect for that. It's honky tonk, man. It's Miz. It's these people that you just want to see hit and beat. And it doesn't matter if they get beat. Today, you still want to get to see him get beat tomorrow. and But he's he's still an athletic specimen. He still stays in the matches long enough. This, as an opener, would have changed the show in a lot of ways, but was a, a good match, a good story, and worked really well. Yeah. Uh, and this was followed up with what I would probably guess is our match of the night, the tag team title match. I I legitimately think we could talk about this match for the rest of the show. <laughs> Probably. There's just so much in here. And I think, I don't know if I threw you for a loop at all after we talked about this, but I looked at this match and I was on the edge of my seat and I popped for all kinds of stuff. And I was thrilled that they did not do what we thought they were going to do. Every instinct says that Paige turns on Omega Bucks win the title. But they didn't do it. Bucks played heel throughout this match. They yeah. played into the fact that Hangman and Omega are more over than the Bucks. People like them more, especially Paige. Paige is the most over guy in that ring. So they, I, I, I don't know if they, I doubt they did it on the fly. They probably planned this out in advance, I would assume. But they subverted our expectations through this whole match. They, I mean, this was a, crazy insane match where they did everything in the world i found myself saying if they just would have done a little less i would have enjoyed the match more and i think that's where i I said that to you and and i don't know if you and we talked about it and we went back and forth uh we were having some libations so i'm not sure i can't remember all of our conversation about it but i i really do believe that i think that they had the whole spot in the middle where jim ross is basically like get these guys out of the goddamn ring yeah Right, that wasn't necessary. If you take that entire hunk out, this match is better in my opinion. If you take a few of the high spots out, this match is better in my opinion. Condensing it, if if I could take that episode, that episode, if I could take that match and I could cut four minutes out of it, I think it's an all-time one of the greatest tag team matches of all time. With those four minutes, it's very very good match of the year candidate. Uh, in uh, exhilarating, excellent, all the the things you platitudes you want to throw on it, but I do think it had some flaws. Yeah, uh, this match, like I feel like a majority of AEW's tag team matches suffer from what I'm now going to co- coin as a uh, Lucha Brother syndrome, and it's just everyone gets lost as to where they're supposed to be, so they just all go in the ring. Yeah, and it's a problem. It really is a problem. Yeah. It, it really is. I, I know I'm making a joke by that, but this happens in almost every high-profile AEW tag team match, and it should not be happening like that. Uh, you can have a breakdown in the match every once in a while, and it should be very quick. Uh, we shouldn't be seeing all four people in the ring for a minute. 
that's way too much. And I know I'm supposed to suspend disbelief and counting is a little weird in wrestling. It doesn't always necessarily equate one to one, uh, but it's a little too much. And that could have, I think really that was my biggest issue with the match. You cut that, that crap out. And I, I would think you have a near perfect tag team match. Um, with the warts that we're talking about, we have to go over the fact of what I was throwing all these praises on there about the, the storyline and their, the AEW is not in a hurry. I think that's the best way that I can put it. And maybe they were with the main event, but AEW is not in a hurry overall. They, they're okay to let these storylines linger a little bit. They're okay not to deliver the twist exactly when you see the twist is going to happen. In WWE, we almost always predict exactly what's going to happen. This guy looks at this guy sideways on Monday, and two Mondays from now, he's going to turn on him, right? Yeah. Because there's no patience. AEW has has four pay-per-views a year, I believe, that they're going to be booked. They're doing these specialty shows like the Bash at the Beach, and they're doing this uh, Match Beyond, Blood and Guts, or whatever they're doing. They're doing these special dynamite shows to 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 break up and kind of be special events like pay-per-views, but they're taking their time. And by doing that, we're telling a better story. And the story with... Page and Omega is so much better after that show. The story with the Bucks is so much better and more interesting after this show. And the fact that they had all this other intrigue and they had Omega teasing the uh, the Buckshot Lariat, Lariat with Omega, which I thought was over-teased. I thought that was a little bit overt. And they, could, they actually could have been a little bit more subtle with it. But overall we love this match it was exciting it was well paced in a lot of ways but I, I hate the fact that I have to say guys do a little bit less and I'll enjoy it more it really is a strange thing to be uh, saying that <laughs> I also feel a little bit like an old man like like I'm 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 this old school guy like I like good classic wrestling booking, don't get me wrong. And I do like to look at some of the stuff that that happened 20, 30, 40 years ago and look at that as a template in some ways. But the AEW tag team division and AEW in general tends to do just a lot. Everyone does a suicide dive. Everyone does a Canadian destroyer. Everyone does these moves. And I'm just like, you know, if we just pare this down and maybe you don't do that thing in the first match so that when they do it in the third match, it makes a little bit more sense. And maybe that one move should end a match. It shouldn't be a near fall because that's the most brutal thing that happened in the match. I, I just feel like just because you can do a thing, you shouldn't do a thing mm-hmm. because the story's good enough that you don't need to do it. And maybe that's what it is. They need to understand that what they're doing in the ring and the stories they're telling are good enough. You don't have to kill yourself. You don't have to do everything you know how to do to get over because you're already over. Yeah, I, I just think that it, it has gotten to the point now to where uh, they have to get every signature move in during a match because uh, the the fans are there to see those moves and if they don't see those moves they're going to be disappointed and they don't want to disappoint but that's the the thing i don't think they will be i think the fans in that match in particular they could have done they could have wrestled for the first 10 minutes of that match a very classic tag team match and i think people would have responded well because they like them enough yeah, and and really, if you think about it, Omega's one winged angel probably one of the most protected moves in all of wrestling. He doesn't even get it off every match. Like, yeah, this this is a thing that when when I see Paige do the moonsault to the floor, do that once every three months. Don't do it in every match. Mm-hmm. It's not special when you do it in every match, and. I think the crowd, because they like this, they don't like Paige because he does it. They like Paige because of cowboy shit. They like Paige because he grabs a beer from you. I mean, there's personality stuff that they're they're into. And honestly, I, I mean, thinking about it in my head right now, just trust yourself more. You're over. You've got them eating out of the palm of your hand. You don't got to work as hard. 
I mean, you got to work as hard, but you don't have to do every single thing in your playbook every time. Anyway, I'll, I'll get off that high horse. But anyway, I mean, kudos to the four guys for putting on a great match. Kudos to AEW for not pulling the trigger when everyone thought they were going to. And even like I was saying in the beginning of the match, like, what if the Bucks are the ones who turn and like they had options. They teased those options and they decided not to go with any of them. And I, I give them a lot of credit for that because that just really keeps us invested in this. And uh, when they do do it, it'll probably then surprise us or they we, do something. We are recording this before uh, Dynamite. Usually we record Correct, after yeah. Dynamite, right? So we're not going to be able to talk about Dynamite this week. I am, I can't wait to see what happens with this feud. I can't wait to see what happens with Omega and Paige. I can't wait to see what happens with the Bucks. I'm, I, I'm invested. I want to know more. Yeah. And there's nothing else you could ask from wrestling storyline than to have people on the edge of their seat ready to tune in for the next week. Yeah. Um, you wanna you wanna touch on anything else on that match before we move no, on? No, no, we've talked plenty about it. We, we, I think our our feelings are well understood. Yeah. Um. So the women's championship match: Nyla Rose, Chris Statlander. I mentioned during. Uh, our preview how thrown together this match was uh, so making it seem pretty obvious to keep the title on Nyla and this match was clunky there was some actual like kind of scary moments uh, at, at at least one or two points and these two just don't seem to have chemistry and Statlander I, I think you were saying seems to be a little bit in slow motion. Well, this is one thing that I read after the fact was that Statlander was sick and had the flu. And there, I, I might have read this. I might have made this up in my mind, so forgive <laughs> me, that there was actually a, uh, a question of whether she could compete or not. Oh, really? She missed a house show. Actually, not a house show because they don't do house shows. But she missed a show over before the pay-per-view that she was booked on because of an illness. So right there, that can that can be a reason why this didn't go off so well. I mean, if someone's not 100% yeah. going out there performing, give them kudos for going out there and fulfilling their obligation. Statlander is very impressive in small bursts and can perform impressive moves, but the transitions from move to move often look clunky. She's very similar to Britt Baker in that way. She doesn't seem to be a finished product. Nyla Rose also in some ways doesn't seem to be a finished product. I like Nyla Rose as a champion. I think she does a great job and is an impressive figure. I, she needs someone to bump for her. She needs somebody to... She needs a professional to go out there and make her look really, really good. I don't think Nyla Rose is in the position right now where she needs to be the best professional wrestler in the ring. And in the AW uh, women's division, there really aren't a lot of bodies to go out there and make people look good. And everyone wants to a fantasy book when the Revival leave the WWE and now Ricochet is being buried. So when he's going to leave the WWE and come over to AEW, I want a fantasy book, a couple people from the women's division uh, in WWE to come over to AEW because there's a handful that could really make that division shine because they're lacking they're lacking American talent that can really really work and connect with the crowd. Oh yeah. They they just really are. And and the division has suffered from day 1 and this this was not a step in the right direction. It was admirable. There were some good spots. They beat they beat each other up. And uh, Statlander did a good job standing in there against the, the native beast, but it was not a great display or a great match. And it, it stuck out on the card and, as being a little bit of a letdown. Yeah. Um, going back to what you were saying about uh, some WWE, current WWE talent coming in and trying to help, uh, hopefully put a, 
needle in the arm and and just give some adrenaline to this division. It, I remember reading something recently how they wanted to build this division on the Japanese uh, women, uh, but I just don't think that that's necessarily working out because they're not on the shows every week. They like they have their commitments in Japan, so they'll go weeks without being seen. That I think was a huge problem for Riho being the champion, and say what you will like i know that there's tons of american fans who are into japanese wrestling and especially japanese women's wrestling but there's just a not a a connection there when they like immediately we see that issue with uh kari sane and asuka i mean they're being booked silly uh, over in wwe but other than the hardcore people who were like into them in NXT, it's it's tough to to break through uh, in the mainstream here, not necessarily speaking the language. I, listen, they need they need an infusion of talent, I think, in that division, and uh, that's 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 no detriment to the people that are there. I think that they have some raw. There's tons of raw talent. I just think that it it needs some work, and this match was a really really good. Uh, when even the matches that we did not love had personalities, for the most part, that people we really wanted to invest in, this stuck out a little bit. Yeah. Um, the MJF and Cody match, probably the 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 one that we were looking forward to the most out of this uh, card. And this, I thought, was a really well-booked match. And both guys went out there and put on a great performance. And then we, with the MJF win, a little surprising, but probably, like we said, right after the match was over, probably the good, the right decision. This was the right thing to do, 100%. This was a match that was overbooked. In my opinion, oh, yeah. there was there was too much stuff going on. We did not need to see Brandy out there on the side of the ring. It didn't help anything else. It didn't help anything out. Uh, there, there. This was a match that suffered from trying to do too much and cram too much into a match that we already wanted to see. You already sold us. We're already there. We're with you. And I think that. At the end of the day, it 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 it, it, it they tried to do too much, and it did hurt it a little bit. But MJF is an asshole, and everyone wants to see us get see him get his ass kicked. And Cody took the fall to a shot with the ring, uh, which is how he basically should have beaten Wardlow the week before. And remember the conversation we were having about that. Yeah. In the fact that. If he would have beaten him with that ring the week before, and then MJF beats him with the ring the week afterwards, there's a nice symmetry there. And even though, I don't know, I think that would have worked a little bit, a little bit better. But okay, uh, it still it prolongs the feud. I don't think this is over in any way, shape, or form. And the crowd was hot the whole time. We're hot the whole time. This was this was the second match of the night. With the tag match, I'm like, if they would have done a little bit less, I would have enjoyed it a little bit more. But I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, yeah. The it they had me towards the end, really hyped. I mean, when Cody hit the two crossroads, uh, I I thought that was going to be it, and then the the ring shot. I was like, I I forgot all about that. And I thought it was a nice connection to everything that we've seen involving that ring uh, over its course. I think good detail to storytelling with that there. The right person won. This story is going on. I'm still not unconvinced that they might pull the idea that I've thrown out there a couple times is MJF becomes champion and Cody can't get the match with him because he said that I'll never fight for the title again. 
Yeah, I, I this is this has that potential to be the two three year feud that mm-hmm. gets kind of pulled back up when things are kind of looking like it's down. Uh, it, it works. This this works really really well. I mean, Cody, don't get any more neck tattoos, but. <laughs> Other than that, the other things I'm talking about are a little cosmetic. I did enjoy this, and I I really want to see Cody get his hands on MJF again. If if that's what you wanted to get out of this match is for me, the fan, to go, man, I just want Cody to have one more shot at this guy. That's how I felt. Yeah, and that's a that's another thing. That's a good that's a good result to a great professional wrestling match. Overbooked as it might have been. Still a good result. Yeah. Uh, Pack and Orange Cassidy. This was just kind of some, an exhibition of sorts. Just to get Orange Cassidy's first match out there and show that he has, he has some talent. I really did not like the fact of how much I enjoyed this match. I have been dragged a little bit kicking and screaming into the enjoying Orange Cassidy stuff. We talked about the suplex spot from, I don't know, I want to say it was like two months ago. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that is kind of cute. It's kind of funny. But I just, I, I, I've watched matches online and segments of him and Gang Grail kicking each other in the shin. And I'm like, is this pro wrestling? Am I supposed to like this? Is it pure comedy? And then Orange Cassidy goes out and does all his spots. He was cut off from some of them by Pac because, of course, he would have been because this is a this is actual match. And all of a sudden, he's running around the ring like a maniac. He's actually delivering impactful blows and showing that he is an actual professional wrestler. And... This got the crowd insanely hyped. People were into this from bell to bell. Cassidy lost because, of course, he's going to lose to Pac because Pac is a better professional wrestler. But this was really entertaining. Really entertaining. And part of me hates that. I am so surprised to hear you. uh, Like, he's... You didn't, re- or if you did voice your opinion up like this, uh, I don't recall you doing it when we were watching. But welcome to the to the dark side of uh, comedy wrestling. But the thing is, is that I think this was done. I think this was done well. Yeah, I I, I think it was. I, I think it was paced well. I did not like the Orange Cassidy thing from the week before. I think it was one of my big sticking points from yeah. Dynamite when getting in involved mid- in a match like in that. In the middle of a match, a pure comedy spot for the sake of it didn't seem to make very much sense. They started this match out with Orange Cassidy doing his shtick and I'm I'm annoyed, but the second he kicked it into another gear and started doing stuff or trying as they say. <laughs> Uh, in the business, I was impressed with his ability and selfishly as a wrestling fan, I want to see him evolve more into when I step in the ring, I do this on the way to the ring. I'm putting my thumb up and being, you know, Orange Cassidy, but I think it was balanced well. I think Pack did a good job of selling everything and and, and lending credibility to everything. Uh, so, for a match that was booked last minute, and for a match that involves somebody who I never thought I would enjoy a professional wrestling match from, kudos. And then the main event, Moxley and Jericho. I a little let down by this one because this was. Overbooked to hell as well. What about you? Uh, It was too early for Jericho to lose this championship. I really do believe that. And when I did, when I did, when we did our rundown of the pay-per-view, I I said as much as that's why I picked Jericho to win this, is that I just felt like it was too early. Jericho is one, is, 
a person that they're building this entire show around in a lot of ways. Yeah, the whole promotion. And he's the biggest star, and him holding that championship means something. And Moxley's a big star. He was in The Shield. He's a WWE thoroughbred. But to me, Jericho being the champion is the right move still. And the fact that they pulled the trigger on Moxley is a little bit surprising. Yes, it was overbooked. I don't think this was a great match. But Moxley worked hard for it. I think he deserves it. I'm happy he has it. I thought that the eye patch spot at the end was a little hokey. If I'm John Moxley and I have peripheral vision <laughs> out of both eyes, I probably want to use that for the whole match. Yeah. Especially against someone like Chris Jericho. That is a champion. I think if you're going to do that spot, I know they wanted to have the spot at the very end, but him standing in the ring, getting ready to lock up or whatever he's going to do and taking the eye patch off and throwing it, to me is a bigger moment than how he did it at the end. Because it seems a little stupid that he would, he would handicap himself for the whole match just to have a dramatic reveal. It's kind of dumb. And gives Jericho a, a, an option to be a chicken shit heel and be like, no, 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 no. Like, run away. Yes, uh, of course. Of beg course. off, like, stuff that Jericho's great at. They had that uh, that option there, but, yeah. They didn't but go it with was, that. That's, yeah, I think it would I would think it would have been, but it would have been a better option if they want to go down that road. But I'm I'm happy for Moxley. He's worked his ass off. He's a guy that I want to be successful. And I wouldn't <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I didn't want Jericho to win that title back. I want him oh, to yeah. I want him to go out on dynamite this week and destroy everything as Le Champion. And say I'm winning my championship back and I want him to do it. Because as much as I like Moxley, I'm not sure if he's the best person to hold that title. I'm not sure if he's the best person. I think Cody Rose is still the best person to hold that title. And I thought he was the best person to take it from Jericho. And I even think that Omega might be a better option. Or Paige, I know he, he's probably going to turn heel soon, would be a better option. Because I think they're more over. Yeah. As much as people like Moxley, and they do, uh, I think it would have been a better option. But it was still a fun match. I'm still excited for to see the fallout of it. It just uh, it rang a little hollow for me. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I'm fine with Moxley holding the title. I don't think he is as big of a name and brings as much spotlight maybe to AEW as Jericho does. But I I just thought that the match was too much gimmicky stuff. And I, I dig a brawl. And I know that Moxley is a very good brawler. And Jericho can be too. But I don't know. I just felt like this match was missing something. And uh, that's that was my issue with it. it. Not so much on Moxley winning the title. Did, did I predict? I predicted Moxley winning, right? You did, yes. Okay. That's that's what that's why I I knew that was uh, and, yeah. and by the way I predicted that Moxley would win the title in my uh, 2020 predictions that Moxley would be the AEW champion I thought starting this year he was going to win the title from Jericho doesn't mean that I think he should have yeah but I did think he would yeah uh, what kind of grade are you giving for this pay per view you know it it really was an up and down pay per view almost match to match <laughs> and some of the highs were kind of unexpected highs. I, f I, I left your house cause we went to your house to watch it thinking, man, that was great. And then under review talking about the Hager match and the women's championship match and some of the holes in some of the other matches, I think it's really more of a B Okay. Pay-per-view. I, I want to give it more because the highs were so high and I was engaged the whole time, but there were some definite flaws here. I, I, uh, I'm going to give it a B plus. Um, I, I agree every bit with what you said. I just, I think that as a whole, it was just slightly better. Okay. 
But I mean, we're pretty damn close on what we sure. we thought of that. Um, then let's talk about WWE a little bit. Let's let's talk Raw, and then we'll give our elimination chamber predictions. Yeah, you know, I just want to talk about a few things on Raw that I liked. And hold on, let me look at my notes. There were a few, at least a few of those things, right? Okay, make sure. Uh, the Randy Orton thing. I am going to go back on everything I said for the last couple of weeks. And Randy is still in slow-mo a lot of times. And I still think that the writers did not exactly know where they were going with it. But the promo with Beth Phoenix in the ring was the best Randy Orton promo I've ever heard. He was just talking. He was giving context with history. That's a big deal for me. I, I like when they bring that kind of stuff in. I, I don't think it hurts or make the, makes the program feel old, like uh, apparently Vince McMahon does sometimes. He was just engaging and someone I actually wanted to watch. The reason he gave for Edge's beatdown, in a twisted way, makes sense. Everything about this worked for me. And yes. heightened this feud and made it even better. And it's the best thing going on WWE television. Period. End of story. I, I'm right there with you. Uh, this, this segment uh, was creepy and uh, tugged at the, your, your heartstrings a little bit, too. And I, I, I thought that Randy delivered... A great promo, probably the best that he's done in many, many years. Maybe his best promo he's ever delivered. And yeah, I'm I'm a little more invested in a Randy Orton uh, segment and and storyline. Good job, everyone. Good good job, team. I'll even go to the decision to have them cut to the announce team. On a camera shot afterwards and to go off in silence, but not just in silence after the fact, but to cut to the announce team and have them talk. There was a there was a pacing thing that made sense. It broke things up. It wasn't predictable. I was waiting for something else to happen and it didn't. Everything about the way they shot this, the way they wrote this, everything worked. Beth Phoenix did a great job. Randy Orton did a great job across the board. The only people that deserved to be called assholes are the stupid fucking fans that are chanting for Randy Orton to RKO Beth Phoenix. Just like these morons are liking uh, Goldberg being the universal champion, you are the problem in a professional wrestling show. It's one of the things that I enjoy so much about the AEW crowd is they do cheer Chris Jericho when his music hits and they sing along, but they boo the shit out of him during a match. They're playing their part. They boo MJF even though he's entertaining as hell. If you want Randy Orton, who has done nothing but despicable deeds for weeks and weeks and weeks, to RKO Beth Phoenix in this situation, you're a fucking idiot. And please stop going to wrestling shows and ruining my television. I, I it's 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 the worst. It is so terrible. It's terrible for the TV. It's terrible for the storyline. It's just it's just awful across the board. You're the moron bringing a beach ball to the Raw after WrestleMania. You're the problem. You're the reason we can't have nice things. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I felt like there was another segment in the show where the fans were chanting for like or or just getting really excited for something that was heelish and I'm I'm going through the results and I can't seem to find it. I, I, uh, I am I'm not going to get on the fans for chanting for a heel who is more interesting than the baby face in a segment. That happens, and that that's understandable. If you want to boo Roman Reigns because you think he's over-pushed or whatever it is, and the heel that's in the segment with him is more interesting, you know what? That's fine. This storyline is good. Edge is a legend. His wife is in the ring. <laughs> you cheered him and want to see him. If Edge's music would have hit, you would have lost your minds in that crowd. 
Yeah. So you're invested, but you're so stupid that you uh, you're like a you're like a like a dog or a cat. Like you have short term memory problems, and you just want something shiny dangled in front of you. And for some reason, you think an RKO is impressive to watch. It hasn't been for ten years. It is not that interesting to see our Randy Orton RKO somebody. So yeah, it is. It's that that it just ruins such a good segment, in my opinion. The other segment that I thought was really interesting was my uh, feelings about it was the first segment with Brock and Drew. Everyone was talking about the segment like it was like the greatest thing Drew McIntyre ever did, and how excited people were, and it was badass. This seemed like WWE booking one hundred and one. Oh yeah. This is, I've seen this 400 times. I, I, I've, this is not interesting, really. The only good thing about this is Drew McIntyre didn't come out there and talk because he's better when he's just a badass and delivering Claymore kicks. Not that he can't talk, because he can, but the way they've been presenting him recently. But this was not, like, a great segment. It just wasn't a bad segment, in my opinion. Brock gets one-upped. At least one time during every major feud that he's of in. Of course. Yeah, he gets curb stomped four times or he gets speared by Roman Reigns or whatever. This is not new. Yeah. And it, it's just rinse and repeat for WWE that they can't keep these guys apart. Like they had Paul go out there and cut a great promo selling on this match. And... Then they had to, absolutely had to have them physically interact with one another. They they couldn't help themselves. Uh, they they should have just cut it at at. Uh, they could have had a stare down. Fine, if you really want Drew to to go out there, have a stare down. But they'll probably save that for the the go home for Mania. Maybe even have a tug of war over the belt. Who knows. There, uh, there are weeks left in this storyline. Where do you go? Yeah. What do you have booked next week and the week after? Oh, Brock won't be there. I, I honestly think Drew McIntyre show walked out on the stage. He should have had a mic and he said, Paul, no one gives a shit. I'm going to kick his ass at WrestleMania. Drop the microphone and walk off the stage. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's a, that's a that's better progression of storyline. I'm not going to talk. I'm going to show you what I can do. I'm going to be the guy that people get behind. Uh, that's my thought. And you know what? There's there's a bunch of other stuff here that I have notes on, but I have to talk about how poorly Shayna Baszler was presented on this episode of Raw. Yeah. This is the worst Shayna Baszler match in two years. Minimum. Maybe three. <laughs> I can't remember when Shayna Baszler started NXT, but it's the one of the worst Shayna Baszler matches I've ever watched. It was a plodding, boring WWE match. It did not get her over as a killer at all. The people sat on their hands. They do not give a shit about Kari Sane. They did not introduce Shayna Baszler like she's a badass. Yes, she came and bit Becky Lynch's neck. Where's the video package? Stop pretending that that the Raw crowd, which is more than twice the NXT crowd on TV, knows who this person is. Let her run down some jobbers. Let her squash some people. Uh, Dana Brooke, somebody on the main roster, let her impressively beat the shit out of someone like a monster. She could have done that to Kari. They don't give a fuck about the tag team titles. They, and, they've already destroyed them. Of course. No, the, she should have. If they're going to put her in the ring with Kari, she should have destroyed Kari Sane. Going through a commercial break was a huge no-no. They made her look normal. Shayna Baszler is a believable badass that should be in a match with a badass Becky Lynch, the person that we fell in love with as a heel that transitioned into a, a an anti-hero babyface. But they now have a challenger that is going to win this elimination chamber that people sit on their hands for, don't give a shit about. They have Becky Lynch wearing fur coats and being a, a smiling comedy babyface again when... When she came out in a black leather and said, I don't give a shit about what you people think, people said, yes, please give me more of that. 
How did they screw this up so much? They've got this. They've got two badasses that can put in the ring together that people are going to fawn over, and they don't even know how to book this properly. This is not rocket science. No. Uh, yeah. Also, Shano is still being advertised as an NXT superstar. Did you notice that on I, her? I haven't. None of the. It's so, I know that doesn't. I know I changed so the subject just slightly, but uh, yeah. yeah. I feel so bad because Shayna Baszler is not. She's not great on the microphone. No, she has limitations. But what she does, she does very well. So let her do it. She just carries herself in such a confident, badass way. But it's like, like it's like she's no, got that body language. Yeah, it's like nobody has looked at her matches in NXT. It's like nobody has looked at her and said, "We're gonna fucking make you a star." We're gonna assume that everyone thinks you're a star, and that we're gonna throw you in with our champion, and we're gonna book you like everybody else, and everyone's gonna cheer. Has that ever worked? Has that worked for the last twenty years, WWE? Since you haven't created a real star, and you have to bring back Goldberg of all people to put your belt on. Go and it's called a belt. It's fine. Into WrestleMania, has it worked? No, it hasn't. Build somebody up and give them a shot. And they just they refuse to do it. And I was just dumbfounded by the presentation of that. Uh, Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan. None of this is earned. No one gives a shit. No one <laughs> wanted uh, Sarah uh, Sarah Logan to be uh, the referee. It wasn't earned. No one cares. This them being in this elimination chamber match, uh, people sit on their hands. They don't care. Uh, Rowan has a mechanical spider. Does Rowan and who own... got him to show it? No way, Jose. Yeah, by asking nicely. Uh, does Rowan? Does he own like a Halloween pop up store? And like next week, it'll be like a cackling witch head in the in the cage. How dumb is this? And if somebody pitched this whole storyline from start to finish, fire them tomorrow. Uh, that would be a, a good thing. Uh, Ricochet is dead. His push yeah. is over. Oh my he God. lost to Riddick Moss. He lost to a guy who people are chanting, who are you? Yeah. This is a guy who's holding a championship. It's 24-7 championship. It's garbage. But they're chanting, who are you on TV? Riddick Moss, have they introduced him? Have they talked about him? Have they given him any way? Have they given him any opportunity to get over? Nope. They put him in a match with Ricochet after being squashed by Brock, and Ricochet loses. He's done. Uh, maybe if they took the bullet sound away from his uh, intro, he'd be fine again. I mean, if they can take someone's name away and think that will work, maybe that will work as well. He'll just be Rick. Yeah, Rick. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and at least the tag team titles are on a tag team. Yeah. They're, they're on a tag team that I don't care about and who have never done anything to interest but me a tag in any way, shape, or form. But they're a tag team. Now, I, I can't remember if they've ever won a match on Raw. I think they have, but I can't yeah. remember it. And They beat the world's best tag team a couple times. Oh, have they? Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, no interest in them. Montez Ford is a charismatic son of a bitch who has never entertained me once. That annoys me, but it's where we are. What about uh, AJ and Alistair? Oh, fuck. What are you doing with Alistair Black? He has not been pinned in a singles match, and you run this nonsense gauntlet that makes Alistair Black look like an idiot. And by the way, this con you signed a contract. Oh, so every time a match starts right now, do they run down and sign a contract real quick? I I just I, I hate the logic they of the They probably WWE have it universe. done electronically now. I guess so. They get a push notification on their iPhone. <laughs> I don't care. I don't like it. I don't want to see AJ Styles fight The Undertaker. Nothing interests me less. Aleister Black having to fight. Oh, and now you have to fight this guy. It's a bullshit gauntlet match. None of those are ever interesting. And Aleister Black losing. Aleister Black and AJ Styles in a feud for towards WrestleMania? Yes, please. I'll take that. Aleister Black having to beat uh, 
Anderson and Gallows in, in, in consecutive weeks to get a shot at AJ Styles? Yeah, cool. AJ Styles begs off and pushes off and makes him wait till WrestleMania to fight him. And then Aleister Black, as a new talent, goes over AJ Styles at WrestleMania. Beautiful. So happy with that feud. The way they did this, they present Aleister Black's first ever pinfall loss uh, as a singles wrestler on the on Raw, the main roster, and it's a fucking damn squib. Yeah, and they what the way that they almost certainly look at it is, oh, he was in two other grueling matches before that, so it's not a big deal. That that's it's not a big deal. It's not, and this is a problem. You're right. They're actually right. It's not a big deal. It's not any deal. None of it mattered. None of it resonates. None of it will matter. That's the problem. Yeah. And this is all just to put on a match at uh, Elimination Chamber, a no disqualification match now between these two that will just be filler to that, that probably undertaker will get involved in or distract AJ to get Alistair, his win back there. And then Alistair's like, Hey, he beat AJ. Look at how great he is. We don't have anything for him for mania. And, and by the way, Alistair Black's a fucking moron. He signed this contract where he has to fight two people before he fights AJ Styles. And then he signs a contract for a no DQ match with a guy in a faction. Yeah. You're a moron. How can I like you when you're this stupid? And Aleister Black's a great talent. I, I want to like him. They've done a good job with Aleister Black over the last several months, but they've taken this weird detour for no reason whatsoever. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is way too much time talking about Raw. I thought I liked this show more than I did. <laughs> and then I ran it down and I hated 99.9% of it. Yeah. Yeah, the, I really, I think that the Randy segment was really the only good thing. Yeah, the Randy stuff was good. Yeah. Oh, and Paul's promo was good. There we go. Paul's promo was the same promo he's been cutting for five years. That doesn't change the fact that it's still good. <laughs> no, he's he's great. You can watch Star Wars eighty five times, like no, any of the, and it's still good. <laughs> you can watch that. I won't. No, you're you're not wrong. Paul's a very talented speaker, but you, there's only so much you can say about Brock Lesnar at this point. Brock Lesnar and Bill Goldberg, two of the most boring human beings in the history of the business at this point, and nothing would make. Nothing will be better for that business than taking the fucking titles off them and making a couple new stars. But yeah. no one believes that because Bill Goldberg pops a SmackDown rating for people, laps fans that will never become full time fans. It's, I I try to think about like comparing this to real sports. Like teams don't look at just popping an attendance mark once every quarter. Like they'd like to have prolonged attendance, like numbers that are, are good. Uh, usually this is by putting a competitive team out there with, with a couple big stars that the, that the fans always want to see. Like they don't just bring back like Barry Bonds and f to pop a, an attendance thing for one game and be like, sweet. We we did it. Uh, we we. It's the long term thing that the WWE just cannot cannot understand that you've got to yeah. build people up. You've got to give them real wins. You have to stick behind them when things suck. I mean, listen, look look at the look what they did with they the person that built Steve Austin into Steve Austin. The people I should say that built Steve Austin, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Triple yeah. H, DX, the, the foundation of that. These were guys who were presiding as champions over the business and Michaels and Hart when the business sucked and they were getting their asses kicked and they were losing money hand over fist. They took the long game and they found the right people to, to make the business. 
it, it, it takes time. It's not going to be an overnight fix. And AEW and their long-term booking is doing a much better job of this. They're building new stars. They're getting people engaged. They're getting people to want to see feuds prolonged, to be excited by it. And WWE, there's nothing I really want to see. The only thing I want to see right now is Edge and Orton. Nothing else. Yeah. I mean, maybe Drew McIntyre and Lesnar because I want Lesnar to go away and Drew McIntyre to be the champion. As much as I love Shayna Baszler and Becky and was so looking forward to this feud, it's been awful so far. There's just nothing to hang your hat on. Yeah. Anyway. And speaking of nothing to hang your hat on, this Elimination Chamber card is just bare. Like, I'm going to assume that the main event is the women's Elimination Chamber for the number one contender. At, at the Raw Women's t- uh, title, because then we got Braun Strowman versus three people, an elimination tag match for the SmackDown tag titles, a rematch of Street Profits against uh, Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins, Alistair Black and AJ that was booked last second, no DQs, and Andrade versus Umberto for the U.S. title. We don't have we don't have Drew McIntyre on this. We don't have Roman Reigns. We don't have Daniel Bryan. We don't have Bray Wyatt. We don't have so many of the bigger pieces. Of, they, like no Becky, it, no Charlotte. It was all done for the the Saudi show, and this is all afterthought stuff. And so much of this is, is SmackDown, which we don't even watch, and we're not even yeah. interested in. I mean. I'm getting to the point where there's just no reason to even (laughs) call and predict some of these pay-per-views, but we can go ahead and and power through it. All right. Uh, Andrade and Umberto. I feel like we've seen this match 78 times. I know it's only been once or twice, but it feels like 78. And the combination of Carrillo and Ray and all these guys doesn't, they may they put on a really good match on Raw. They're talented. The tag match, yeah. Yeah, they're all talented. They're all talented guys. But it just seems like a big cluster fucking nonsense. I'm hoping Andrade comes out of this, but I have no idea. I'll pick Andrade. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Carrillo. I I think that they it might be a really quick few uh quick. Uh, title change they might just put the belt back on Andrade on the following Raw but I I think that they're gonna try the waters here with Umberto as the champion sure uh Alistair Black and AJ Styles no DQ match that'll be Alistair Black winning because of Undertaker's interference yep I'm saying the same thing Street Profits against Street Profits (laughs) <laughs> yep uh elimination oh this is actually an elimination chamber match the smackdown tag championship so miz and morrison who are the champions now against new day against the usos against heavy machinery against lucha house party and then dolph ziggler and robert rude Miz and Morrison, they just put the belts on them in Saudi Arabia, so I'm just going to assume they're going to keep the titles here. Sure. Let's go with that. Braun versus Nakamura, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn in a three-on-one handicap match for the IC title. Braun Strowman. Yep. And then Shayna Baszler. Oh, yeah, Shayna Baszler. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) She she beats other people. Maybe they'll add something in there on the the the, the go home show to SmackDown. We don't watch SmackDown, uh, so maybe there'll be something there. But God, like this just seems like a poor excuse for a pay per view. I I'm sorry to say that for the people who are on this and are making a paycheck and and are gonna go out there and try their best, but. 
the 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 lack of star power is super obvious on this. You know, the funny thing is, is I'm a completionist by nature. Uh, my wife would tell you that yeah, to the cows come home is if it's insane. I, I cannot stop watching a TV show even after it turns to the point of being unwatchable. I have to find out what happens at the end. I have no qualms about not watching SmackDown. I hear that Braun Strowman is in a three-on-one handicap match for the IC belt, and I go, yeah, no interest in that. I hear the uh, the amount of really great people in the tag team uh, elimination chamber match. Nah, don't care. I have, and then obviously the, all the stuff going on with Bray and John Cena and Roman and Goldberg. Don't care. If I could find a way to watch like half of Mania and pay half the amount of my network subscription that month, <laughs> I'd probably do that. And honestly... If I just didn't have the habit of watching Mania so far, I wouldn't watch it. Yeah. I just don't care. They've done such, so little to invest me into this product. Not that they're trying to go towards me. I'm 40 years old and they probably don't give a shit about what I do with my my time and my money. But all this stuff with Bray Wyatt losing to Bill Goldberg after all the stuff they've done with him all the stuff about Brock Lesnar still being around and being a champion, John Cena and Bray Wyatt. Who the fuck cares? They did this uh, six years ago, and they made the wrong move then, and now they think they're going to make up for it? Fuck off. Yeah, it's just it's it's just poor and uninteresting. And for someone who always fears they're missing out on something. I feel like I'm missing out on nothing. And if I wasn't watching Raw right now, I'd be missing out on nothing. Yeah. Maybe we should, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I know. I was about it's to just, say, like, maybe we just stop watching Raw too. It's, it's, listen, I get my Monday nights back again. That would be, that wouldn't be a bad thing. I could, I could do things. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, so Elimination Chamber, and by the way, we don't need to be talking about this on air. This show's already too long, but I'm going to be in Detroit. I'm leaving, as you know, on Thursday, so I will not be there to watch Elimination Chamber with you on Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, So I know you're really sad about that, but uh, I just want to make sure you knew that. I I was aware, and uh, I was even going to, even if you were in town, I was almost going to say, like, let's just watch this one separately because it's not going to be any fun. Or walk- not watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Even better. Let's treat I'll just read the chamber results. like a Saudi show. Yeah. <laughs> we we, we kind of could. I mean, they've done some stuff in between Rumble and Mania before, like with those roadblock pay-per-views. Uh, they've done some stuff that matters between there and like in between those two big pay-per-views before just seems like they're phoning this one in a hundred percent. All right. Uh, enough of that. Uh, enough of WWE. I think probably enough of this show for, for this episode. Uh, More than enough. Yes. All right. Well, thank you everyone once again for joining us. Check out our social media. In the meantime, we're at Miss Spots on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can listen to the show on any of the major podcast services, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're available on all of them, including our website, MissSpotsPodcast.com or simply MissSpots.com. For Kevin, my name's Mike. We'll see you next week. Good night. Good wrestling.